And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is September 17th. I'm sorry, September 10th. This is episode 253. <laughs> things have gotten so bad. I'm looking are, forward to next week at this point. Things are bad in the future. Yes. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. Look, things are bad in the present and in the past. Oh, by the way, and in the future. And we're going to get all that on this week's show, as we look forward to the disappointment ahead. That's right. And we'll also... You, you know what? No, forget it. Disappointment is all we have. Yep, it is. It's just disappointment, folks. Yeah, it's in all realms of time at this point. But with that, I guess it's time we go ahead and lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. The Orioles are bad in four dimensions at this point. Yes. Jake, what are you doing this, this evening? I have a cornucopia of culinary delights. Um, I see look, one good beer. Uh, I see water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I see something else that I don't recognize. All right. So I'm going to work my way through a loose cannon, okay. uh, a tried and trusty favorite. I'm familiar with that. Which, by the way, I never get enough credit for for uh, my usual good fare. Uh, I also brought the uh, Pagoda Pale Ale from Monument, which I actually enjoyed. Okay. So if you're not familiar, you should you should have this In one. In a can. That's good. In a can. Mm. Uh, I also brought a Coors Light. Beg your pardon? Uh, in a pint Beg can, pardon? just to spite you. And if you're not well-behaved, Scott... I'm going to drink it in front of you. Oh, I'm sorry. Was this from your uh, daughter's 11th birthday party? It was. Okay. It's okay. the only beer that my several families will will all drink. All right. Uh, well, I've got uh, a glass of apple cider over here, uh, spiked with some Kentucky whiskey. Okay. So we've ofi- officially breached the fall. You're drinking pumpkin spice beer Absolutely. and apple cider. Absolutely. I actually had some Oktoberfest uh, earlier. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely fall. It's playoff drinking. You know, as of next weekend, I might have a hurricane. Oh, man. If you're interested to see what we are drinking and want to send Scotty some hate mail, please follow along with us. Get social online and untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MEGN8606. And with that, it's time for a checkup. All right, let's dive into the medical wing. Uh, big one out, I think, that was kind of a, a noteworthy was Alex Cobb uh, suffering this blister. Um, went through a light throwing session on September 8th, but again, with Cobb going out um, and potentially, you know, he would have probably fallen into the DL if they weren't on the 40-man roster now with extended roster. Um, it, the, the depth within the pitching staff is just being highlighted of, oh my gosh, there's nothing. And I think this is important to realize not so much for the rest of the season, but it does come back to if 2019 is going to be played, the Orioles are going to have to have somebody that can consistently eat innings, and Alex Cobb is going to be that pitcher. So as much as people you know, have talked about saying, hey, Alex Cobb could be a potential trade option this offseason, it doesn't really make any sense. You have to have someone that is going to be able to put out 150 to 180 innings. If not, I mean, I guess Abado Jimenez is still available. Stop. He's retired from the ugly, and he's retired from the team. 
Uh, Scott, what about uh, what about Steve Wilkerson? The recently recalled Steve Wilkerson. We could see him soon. This is our new Craig Gentry. <laughs> our, this is the not so secret weapon. Yeah, this, this is, is the, the well known yeah, weapon. This is just okay. It's Steve Wilkerson. This is like uh, generic vanilla ice cream. Not even the good vanilla ice cream. Like just generic store brand vanilla ice cream. Steve Wilkerson, you do nothing for me. Stay where you're at with your hamstring injury, and I'll see you, I guess, at FanFest next year? Probably. Probably with a huge line waiting to see Steve Wilkerson. <laughs> Scott, it sounds like you might be on the DL this week. Uh, yeah, just suffering a little bit of a, a strained voice. I, I personally think that it makes me sound uh, more manly. Well, that is one way of looking at it. But now, hey, don't mind. I'm going to go back to drinking my apple cider now. <laughs> thanks for pushing through on this these dark and troubling times. Yeah. And with that, let's wander over to what can often be dark and troubling, and by that I mean Twitter. This week on the Twitters, and do Orioles baseball at 280 characters or fewer. Scotty, the Orioles, well, they know they have work to do. This is a tweet that comes from the Baltimore Orioles, who tweet at Orioles. This week at the yard, bark at the park, UVA night, Members of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra will perform the National Anthem, Morgan State University Night, and this is Birdland T-shirt giveaway, and more. Please come. Please. Please come. Please come to the ballpark. Please. How close are the Orioles right now to having a bingo night? <laughs> um, we'll never know. We'll I, never I know. I really feel like we're really close to having a Dundalk bingo night at this point at the at Birdland. Um there's not even any mention about next week where they're going to have like the uh, the WWE event. It's because they're not proud of it. Uh, well, let's not go that far. I mean, they're, they're going to walk with Elias. So, um, I, I I really do enjoy seeing the Orioles go ahead and reach out and try to get people to be pulled back into the stands. But Jake, I asked you this question: at a certain point, is it too much? Does it reek of desperation? Yeah. Oh. It is desperate, yeah, and it does reek, but they have to do it. Okay. They have to. So even though it screams double-A uh, minor league baseball team in terms of promotional giveaways, it's okay. No, 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 no. That, sir, that is not fair. Okay. Their play screams double-A uh, baseball. I got confused. Yeah. I got confused. The promotion's completely separate. That's because I watched them this week. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Um, well, the truth hurts, Jake, and this tweet from Brittany Giroli screams it. You can follow her at Brit underscore Giroli. After watching the Rays for a few days and watching KC last weekend, the Orioles are light years behind both organizations. You know, I, I don't like to make such judgment that quickly off of, you know, just a few games. But she's absolutely right. You look at the prospects that are here and you just look at how the Orioles are positioned, both in terms of how their approaches at the plate and also their defense. And it looks like a team that just has no semblance of a future whatsoever. There's no plan. There's no execution. There's no nothing. It's a bunch of, you know, meh. At least during September, you're supposed to see something that makes you excited to go and watch the next season. There's nothing in September that is giving me hope for 2019, 2020, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to pile on, but these are guys that have been going through the motions since June. You know, uh, this is not only a team that lacks talent. It's not only a team that's been poorly directed. This is also a team that is hopeless 
And you were seeing hopelessness play out on a night and night out basis. I'd even go farther. Enough. I don't even think it's just the players in the field that are just going through the motions. I feel like Buck to a certain regard is just kind of going through the motions. is just not saying anything wrong, not saying anything completely right. And just making sure that no one, you know, pisses down their leg at this point. And yet they are, they are. Yeah. All right. The next tweet is going to be one that, well, it talks about the business of baseball. And really, isn't it all just business? This comes from Adam Jones, who tweets at simply AJ10. Be a pro, dot, dot, dot. Take the high road. And this, of course, happened right before Adam Jones was not featured in the lineup and then was not featured in the lineup at all during the Tampa series. Uh, Scotty, what do you think this is? Do you think this is Adam Jones commenting with a non-comment about him being benched in favor of some players who are not good enough to be on a major league team. I think this is Adam Jones being as polite as possible to a situation that he's not very happy with. Yeah. I uh I think so too. And and you know it's it's interesting though because he could be being very vocal. Oh, he could absolutely be, you know, a terror within the clubhouse right now calling people out left and right about how things are being poorly run. And uh, he's he's choosing not to do so. So um, as much as we have kind of questioned Adam Jones in terms of social media, um, I'm okay with this. I see no issue with it. And good on him for deflecting as much as possible. Let's play the other side of this. This okay. is a rare two-part this week on the Twitter's tweet. This is a tweet from Dan Connolly, who writes at... D, uh, Dan Connolly, 2016. Adam Jones sat all three games versus Rays. Orioles are evaluating others. I get that that's what happens in a rebuild, but I also think that's a lousy way to treat a guy who's been a franchise face and can still play. Is this just business? Click on the link and comment. Dollar sign. Now, I didn't click on the link because I don't have the dollar sign, but I'm curious. Where is the, uh, where's the drama? I think it's a pretty cut and dry case. The Orioles want to see if anybody else is a solution, right. even a partial solution. Yeah, they want to see Joey Rickard. <laughs> and John Andrioli. Well, I mean, Andrioli has been playing a few of the other corner positions, too. But, I mean, we've seen Jace Peterson. Yeah. And we've seen Joey Rickard out in corner outfield. Um, Jace Peterson and Joey Rickard are not options for any Major League Baseball team going forward. Um, so those arguments are not valid to me. So I completely get what Dan is saying here. And it makes no sense to me. In fact, I'd rather have Jones out there because, A, I think, you know, he does deserve to be out there and playing in a game that's a pretty much a meaningless game. And, B, I think it's also good experience for a player like Mullins to be out there with him and kind of getting an aspect of the feel and the flow for the game from an individual that has been out there on a day-in-and-out basis. I think back, you know, when Mullins came up and Jones was there in the dugout and said, hey, kid, I want you to go onto the field and I want you to lead us onto, the, onto it. That's the kind of leadership I want to see. I don't want to see Jones just riding on the pine and just being like, well, I've got nothing to do. So I totally agree with you and on every point that you just made. So if it's not about getting to watch these nobodies in the corners, what is it about? I, I have no idea. I honestly think it's just, I think the front office is saying we want to see these players in order to, you know, play them. And I think Buck is just like, you want it? By all means, you got it. I don't understand. This doesn't help anybody. So you're. It's either it's either some sort of power brokering between Buck and the front office, or 
Also possible that uh, the front office is not happy with Jones for not going through with the trade. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like, it's it's number one until it's his right. And number two, like, if he's going to be here, why don't you play one of your better players onto the field? If you don't want him here, designate him for assignment. I don't. I could not agree with you more. I just can't think of any other reason yeah. why he'd be riding the pine. Well, I mean, it was the turf. That's what we were told, right? Right? No? No? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, our next tweet. Um, well, this comes from Best Mech one uh, and uh, he tweets as follows. Orioles Twitter is on life support. Yeah, that's pretty close to it. I think the Orioles fan base is on life support at this time. And some of them happen to be on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where people now will come into my office, look at me and say, well, at least they're not playing tonight. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's a good point. They can't lose. They can't lose. Uh, Scotty, let me ask you this. What do you think the following will go for on eBay? This is another tweet from the Baltimore Orioles. At Orioles. On September 18th, we'll recognize the 40th anniversary of at NFB underscore voice, National Foundation for the Blind, moving their headquarters to Baltimore to become the first American professional sports team to incorporate Braille lettering onto our game day uniforms when we host the National Federation of the Blind Night at Oriole Park and Camden Yards with a picture of, well... Their jersey with Orioles spelled out in Braille. First, this is a great jersey. Yep, this absolutely. is great. And I complain about sports aesthetics all the time. Yep, this is a home run. This is awesome. But you got to know that people are going to buy them, and then they will be available online for ridiculous prices. Oh yeah. There's- if this was a giveaway, people would show up just to get this. Walk out in the first inning and be selling them for fifty bucks. I mean, that think night. about the We and Chen jersey that was given out, where you can't read anything, but people are just like, "I have to have that jersey, no question about it." You know, I got to give it to the Orioles here. They did a great job with this one. You know, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. <laughs> no, no. But seriously, the only thing I, I'm questioning about this jersey is I'm looking at the picture. The embroidery has to be raised, right? I, I I would hope so. Okay. I would hope that it would be raised. I think it's got to be raised. And looking at it, it looks like it's raised. But if it's flat on there, number one, it looks really tacky. And number two, it's got to be raised. Like, uh, end of story. Okay. Um, next week um, comes from, let's see. Oh, this is a good one. This is from Kristen Hudak. Um, you can follow her at Kristen M. Hudak. Kristen actually does all the Orioles PR stuff. And, uh, She actually responded to a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles, um, and she says, I'm with at Trey Mancini on this one. And uh, this was a video of a bunch of Baltimore Orioles slurping down some oysters uh, from a new bar that had just recently opened at Camden Yards. And uh, the next tweet comes to us from the failing New York Times. This is a tweet from the New York Times on this day, which tweets at on this day, NYT. On the front page, hashtag OTD, in 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. plays his 2,131st consecutive game, breaking a record that had stood for 56 years. And, of course, it has a, uh, a picture of the front page of the New York Times that day uh, with a picture of none other than Cal Ripken. Scott, do you remember when everything in Birdland wasn't awful? Yeah, it was uh, 2014. Because <laughs> I'm having a harder and harder time remembering. But it was it was interesting to see 
you know, the the twenty one thirty one day come and go without a whole lot of pomp and circumstance because yeah. everything's just awful all the time. Yeah, I actually came across my uh, 2014 World Series tickets going through stuff. So that was fun. I've got mine. Yeah, those were fun. Yeah, I use them as a coaster. Yeah, those were fun. Yeah, so there you have it. The uh, This week on the Twitters. It's, uh, it's fun, Scott. Yep, it's fun. So now that we've looked to the past and the, the disappointment that you know, the Orioles week has been and Orioles past has been. Maybe let's go ahead and look towards the future and figure out what are the next disappointments that uh, may be occurring once again in Birdland. As Orioles fans look ahead to the sweet mercy of the end of the season, we need to consider that there are a lot of heartaches to come before the Orioles are good again, and we'll be staring it right in the face very, very soon. I've been thinking about this a lot, Scotty. You know, things are terrible now, and when the season's over, it's going to be a mixture of relief and also, you know, being bummed out that it'll be six months before I can watch the Orioles again, but... That won't stop the disappointments. On a nightly basis, we are reminded that the Orioles are terrible and that it won't be better anytime soon. But there are a couple of disappointments coming up, and um, as soon as the season ends, well, okay, let's be fair, as soon as the postseason ends, there it will be for us. No matter what happens, we are not going to be happy with the structure of the front office. I feel like there are some contingents of the fan base that are happy with the personnel that we have and uh, enough of the contingent of the fan base that are not happy with the personnel that we have that no matter what happens, people are going to be disappointed. So let's just look at what we know. Okay. First and foremost, the Angelos family will still own and run the ball club. At least for 2019, yes. That, that is a fact. Brady Anderson will continue in the front office, in some capacity. For better or for worse, whether you think that's good, whether you think it's bad, people are going to be disappointed because that's going to happen. Strength and conditioning coach, tanning bed model, whatever it may be. <laughs> uh, poster model, right. right. Uh, Dan, Duquette, Dan Duquette might be back. And on this, I feel like fans are divided. I feel like some fans are gung-ho about wanting him to come, do the rebuild, stay the course. After all, isn't he the one that brought us back from the brink of, of uh, you know, disappointment last time? And there are some that are just over him. Yeah. Well, one way or the other, people are going to be unhappy. And, uh, you know, if not Dan Duquette, that means there will be a new sheriff in town. Yep. And if it's not Brady Anderson... We're going to say who? This this is my strong uh, suspicion. I feel like whoever it is, it's not going to be the kind of baseball leader that we want for this next phase of Orioles baseball. Congratulations, Jake, on being the next GM for the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> exactly right. But, I mean, it, wouldn't it be just like the Orioles as structured with ownership and leadership right now for them to go out and get same old, same old? You know, w- when we talk about like, oh, well, who could we get to replace uh, Buck Showalter? It's names like Girardi mm-hmm. that come up. You know, they interviewed, even as a courtesy, Ned Coletti for the GM position. 
you know, instead of going to something new and exciting and, and a different voice in baseball to mimic some of the clubs that are successful now, I have a feeling it'll be the old stuffy wing of baseball. I mean, more than likely that is the case. It's one of the aspects where we talked about this last week of when are we going to know the Orioles actually changed and turned the corner? And until they do something groundbreaking or revolutionary, it'll be just a footnote at the bottom of a scroll. And until that revolutionary move happens and there's talk about it, it's going to be pretty ho-hum. Yeah. And you know what? To your point last week, and maybe I wasn't ready for it, but to your point last week, you know, the Orioles won't be transparent about the changes they're making in terms of technology, in terms of data science, in terms of their approach to the international market. So even if they're better, we won't know, right, until until it's too late. And lastly, as far as the front office is concerned, we won't uh, be satisfied one way or the other with the manager's uh, seat because Buck Showalter may be back and there will be a segment of the fan base that will be frustrated about that. Um, and, you know, he may be gone. And again, there will be people that will be disappointed about that. Um, from just the very structure of the Orioles that happens on day one after the postseason ends, it will be a series of disappointments and anticipation of being disappointed. It's a frustrating place to be as a fan base. Absolutely. Um, and I think to a certain regard, you know, we look at going into 2012, it was the same aspect of, you know, Duquette was hired. But again, there wasn't really any plan going into 2012. Um, the Orioles somewhat got lucky and it fell into their laps. Um, unfortunately, they don't have a bunch of prospects to fall back onto, um, which you think will basically make this transcendent run. Um, so yeah, it's, it's disappointing because there is no plan. There is no future. There is no, there's no vision. And again, from, you know, someone that, you know, constantly sees this, um, People need that vision to basically embrace what they want to do in terms of spending their own money and also spending their time. And the vision is not there. People have a tendency to go and place their accolades and you know time elsewhere. Yeah, this lack of vision may be why they're partnering with the National Foundation for the Blind. Right. Um, the next disappointment that I want to talk about is free agency. Yeah. The first disappointment of free agency will be watching former Orioles, notable former Orioles sign elsewhere, mm -hmm. right? Manny Machado is out on a rental, and that means that somebody is going to pay him a whole lot of money to play baseball, to wow them on a nightly basis, and it's not going to be us. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really sad when Manny puts on pinstripes. <laughs> Stop. I really, really don't want that to happen. But it's going to. It will break my heart. You know it's going to. Mm. I just keep praying that he'll go to Miami. Nope. I would be delighted to see him go to that ridiculous ballpark. Nope. Uh, Adam Jones will be another one that will go somewhere else next year, and that will be another sad sight to see. It's going to be really sad to see him wear pinstripes next year. <laughs> Are you just going to spend the rest of the season trying to make me sad on this podcast? Maybe. <laughs> the only other name or the only other team name I want to see across Adam Jones's chest is the United States. Okay. Uh, but speaking of free agents, a rebuilding club really doesn't need them, or no. at least good ones. So the Orioles will miss out on the entire 2019 class of free agents. And I happen to think that there are some exciting names. I mean, not just, you know, Machado and Jones. 
it's a pretty exciting class. I mean, Harper's going to be out there. Yeah, he's going to look good, good in pinstripes. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> the Yankees will be able to expand rosters to 75 people to account for all the people that will make me right. sad. Uh, but <laughs> I look at what's out there, and I just think to myself, who are the Kevin Millwoods? Mm. You know, like who are the people that are going to be not exciting and that the Orioles will sign just to have warm bodies that can run around in orange and black? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I think it comes to that point of that I was making earlier with the with Cobb. Um, you know, who is going to potentially get those innings that are going to be inning eaters? Um, I don't think it's going to be any top fifty free agency. I think it's going to be someone that maybe takes a um, you know a, a rejects a qualifying offer, and maybe the Orioles say, "Hey, that's the guy that we want to potentially leap on as uh, an option for four to five million dollars for one year, and maybe we can trade him at the trade deadline." And uh, get some prospects back for him. You know what we're back to? We're back to acquisitions where, you know, the free agency period is just not something you check in. And and then you're surprised when the team signs people like Jay Payton or Garrett Atkins or Carlos Lee, uh, Derek Lee, excuse me. And you're like, well, I mean, I guess it might not be awful, but that's certainly not exciting. Right. That is what it's going to be. And I'm sorry, after... Having six years or five years of being excited about what might happen the next year and seeing what pieces the Orioles might add, going back to that free agency uh, mode will be a disappointment. Listen, we do need to sign one player, though. Okay, I'm listening. There's no question in my mind this has to happen. The Orioles need to sign Steve Pierce this offseason. Oh, absolutely. He needs to come back. To to pitch, right? To do whatever. Second base, actually. Second base. Second base, actually. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I would love to see some Steve Pierce. Um, I don't know who is going to come back and basically pitch for the Orioles in a, in a starting pitching role. Bartolo Colon. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the names and I'm looking at uh, Wade Miley, <laughs> uh, Jeremy Hellickson. I'm, I'm sorry, wait, Wade, Wade Miley cannot come back and pitch for the Orioles. He has been fired into the sun. Miguel Gonzalez. Mm. Chris Tillman. No. Um, these are all names I could see the Orioles picking back up again. Gross. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, next series of disappointments are about decisions the Orioles will make at some point. So can we talk about one more disappointing? Oh, please. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Nick Markakis is going to be a free agent this year. Mm. How old is Nick Markakis? He'll be 35. Do you think that Nick Markakis will play the same spite the Orioles beat father time game that Nelson Cruz played? Um, here's what I'll say about Nick Markakis. I could easily see Nick Markakis not being tendered a contract by the Braves and no one else wanting to pick up a contract for the Braves and the Orioles going out and saying, we want to give you a deal for two years at $8 million a pop that Jones is unwilling to take. Okay. That's interesting. You, you saved it there at the end because I was going to, to zing you with how does a club that can't keep Adam Jones keep Nick Markakis? Right. So if you lost Adam Jones, but you got Nick Markakis back, how would you feel? Sick. <laughs> if I would be up. I would be down. I would be hot. I would be cold. I would have malaria, okay? I would just not feel good. Matt Wieters will also be a free agent this season, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay. Are you saying that Matt Wieters would look good in pinstripes? <laughs> so I can tell you that Nick Markakis does not look good in pinstripes. 
And if the Orioles have no room in the outfield, I guarantee the Yankees have no room in the outfield. Um, there are going to be decisions made, Scott. Whale therapy? Are you sure about that? <laughs> there will be a Ouija board involved. <laughs> okay. And we will be disappointed with some of them. Some of the players that we are excited to see in 2019. Does J.J. Hardy come back? There must be some. Uh, to play? Yeah, for the Orioles. No. Okay. Could you see him in the dugout? Mm, that's a good question. Mm. Okay. I'll ponder that a little bit. Work on that, would you? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Could you see him in the dugout in Delmarva? No. Okay. No. All right. No. Um, not, not with a kid. Okay. Fair enough. Some of the players that we are excited to see in 2019 won't make the club out of spring training, and we will tear our hair out. Austin Hayes is going to be one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Austin Hayes is not going to make the team out of spring training and it's going to rankle me and I'm going to be really upset by it, but I will understand because he's been injured so much this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus we got to see John Andrioli. I mean, it's just, it's got to happen. God almighty. Freaking John Andrioli. But it'll be interesting though, because for a lost season, I guarantee that we will be sad, angry, and just disappointed when the Orioles make those ridiculous and confusing moves right before spring training. Yeah, I agree. And it comes back down to the, the ones that are going to kill us is are going to be these, you know, players that the Orioles signed for one or two war and it'll feel like money wasted. Mm. And that's, what's going to really bother me is I'm going to look at it and say, if we could have not signed four of those guys, we potentially could have signed a Manny Machado or something like that. Um, I think we're in the long haul for kind of waiting out the Davis contract now until the Orioles make any significant free agency move at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing that that will be disappointing is that certainly some players that we're excited to see or excited to try out will fail to meet expectations. And we've already talked about one. I'm terrified of Austin Hayes Mm -hmm. being the next Nolan Reimold. Oh, that's a good one. Um that's definitely a possibility. I mean, I think Mullins could see similarly be in that same category sure. of, you know, as much as I've railed on Twitter about this in terms of the platoon situation, um, there is a good chance that he could be a platoon outfielder. He could be, you know, he could that, be the next Louis Matos. He, David Lowe is what I was thinking. Mm. Um, and he could be that next David Lowe. Um, we are going to be disappointed. We don't have a top 50 prospect. We've got a bunch of, Bottom end, top 100 prospects, maybe 150 prospects, but nothing in the top 50. And that's why it really comes down to, you know, there's nothing left in the farm system that is of significant talent level. So this isn't going to be a one-year process. This isn't going to be a two-year process. It's going to be a multiple-year process. Um, I guess you just hope that, again, some of these players turn into Trey Mancini-like players. Sure. And uh maybe exceed their projections and there will be pleasant surprises there there have to be because the not, scouts not are pitching no, that's true there, that is a rule there are no pleasant surprises but there, there will be some pleasant surprises just because it can't all be bad um right right it, it, jake it, it can all be bad uh also on the disappointing side the orioles will and this is a certainty yeah the orioles will fail to develop some of the hall that they've gotten from their 2018 efforts to rebuild. Some of these guys that we look at and we say, okay, that, that, that might work out. Like a Luis Ortiz. We're just like, Hey, that, that might turn out well. And then you read up and you're like, Oh, he's 
250 pounds. <laughs> oh, well, it's not like the Orioles have had any issues with fat pitchers in the past. No, of course not. No. As long as you keep them out of the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, some of those guys are not going to work out. Many of those guys may not work out. Uh, steal your hearts away, Orioles fans. Don't fall in love too quickly because some of these guys, they'll disappoint you. You might get record rolled. Oh, jeez. No? No? No. It's true. Okay. It's true. And the last near disappointment that I can see is don't put your faith in the draft. Yeah. The draft is a fickle, fickle, I'm going to save you from the coin sound. Yeah. Mistress. And it is not by any stretch of the imagination, even with the first overall uh, draft pick, a sure thing. Wasn't Tim Beckham a first overall draft pick? Yeah, he was the number one draft pick um, by the by the Rays back in the day. So uh, the, the Rays organization, which doesn't suck at the draft, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's an absolute kind of you know, it, you're just shooting in the wind. I mean, let's think about it this way. Um, there's been actually some interesting conversations about the Astros and how well they have turned things around, but in reality, a, a lot of you know of the whole situation came by luck. I mean. You look at the 2015 MLB draft um, where the Astros drafted Alex Bregman, who has been, I wouldn't say, you know, a Jose Altuve type, but definitely really good. Um, they, and they drafted him with the number two pick. For the number one pick, um, it was Dansby Swanson that was picked um, by the Braves. And he's been okay, um, but certainly not great. I mean, looking at his numbers, 0.8 F war, zero negative 0.2 F war, 1.7 F war. And sure, he's young. He may get together, but he's no Alex Bregman. So there's a very good chance that even though you have the number one pick over the number two pick or the number five pick, it could equally show up snake eyes. So it's a crapshoot. Just because you have the number one pick does not guarantee that once again, you're going to have a Manny Machado black player in your farm system. And we've talked about this with the international uh, market, even when you do all the right things, even when you have the consensus pick of all the communities, not just the old stogie, uh, old, old fogies in, in uh, the, the baseball community, but also, you know, the, the numbers guys, they say, this is, the, you know, this is the pick, this is the pick. It could still turn into nothing. Sure. Especially with the Orioles developmental system. Right. Yeah. The, the Bregman thing was interesting because I was reading through an article about that and they mentioned Swanson, but that was also the draft that the Astros failed to sign the number one pick the mm -hmm. previous year, which was Brady Aiken mm -hmm. and Aiken turned into nothing. Um, so it's just weird how much the draft can be like, this guy is going to be an absolute slam dunk. And it turns out to be, mm, he's really not that good. I will say that I think the thing with baseball is not only quality, but quantity, right? You need to have as many chances as you can, and you need not screw up as many as possible. The Orioles so far have done everything they can in 2018 to get quantity. Mm -hmm. The question mark is how much quality is there. Sure. But you can't deny that they're trying to get quantity. They are definitely taking a shotgun approach. That's really as best as you can, as you can hope for. From here on out, though, you have to hold them accountable for both, and it starts with free agency. I think that one of the things that the Duquette uh, – administration so to speak has been good at has been uh the high level minor league free agents i think one of the things that he's been pretty good at is rounding out the 40-man roster with uh with uh minor league free agents that won't help you 
necessarily in a rebuild, but what it will do is it will create um, organizational fodder so that you can protect some of the, the guys you're trying to groom and build. Sure. And I would agree with you that we've had successes with some of these quadruple A players um, and kind of filling up those fringe positions. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, it came at the cost of losing compensatory draft picks. It came at the cost of international free agent signings. Um, so you're absolutely right. It was a situation where we said, we're going to supercharge our Dodge Neon and uh, we're going to try to win the race. Um, but at the very end of the race, um, our Dodge Neon is going to explode into a massive pile of flames um, and now turn into a Dodge Omni. And then people are going to pick up those pieces, put them back together, slap them in pinstripes, and then win the World Series with them. Absolutely. Good question about it. See, I can play this game too. Yeah. I'm really good at this. Scotty, are there any disappointments that I'm missing? Because I, I feel like you could you know, uh, lift a stone, split a piece of wood, and find Orioles-related disappointments. But I, I really feel like, again, we need to protect ourselves from the sadness to come because as soon as free agency starts, as soon as the offseason ends, or the postseason ends, rather, it's going to be sad time. No, I don't really have anything else that I would like to add right now in terms of disappointment. I think the record speaks for itself, and I think the record for the next, we'll call it five years, being the complete inverse of what it was from 2012 to 2016 will uh, will be equally uh, equally disappointing. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. You you could almost we say, flew a little too close to the sun, Jake. <laughs> I feel like Icarus gets brought up on a pretty regular basis on this podcast. Oh my goodness! Let's get stupid. <laughs> you can almost say, Scotty, that the Orioles over the last few years and into the next few have been good, they have been bad, and they will be very, very ugly. That's right, it's time for the good the bad and the ugly where we attempt to pick up our feathers and glue them back onto our wings. You're just going to go hard with that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start with the good. I'm going to scrape at the very bottom of this barrel. Uh, I, I guess if I had to, I would say that my good is Jimmy Yacobonis because in relief, he pitched six and a third innings and was not horrific, I guess. Yeah. 9.95 Ks per nine, 1.42 walks per nine. Yeah. You know, we said we wanted to get a look at him to see if he could be on a major league bullpen. That that was the whole yeah. reason for him being on this roster. He's the uh, 2018 Miguel Castro. He can mop up at this point. Yeah. He can capably mop up at least this week. And on a team like this, that's my good. Yeah. Jake, it was a modified Dongs After Dark this week. They're all special. Yeah. So we're going to have to give it to Renato Nunez for hitting two home runs this week for the Baltimore Orioles. Are you saying that Matt Taylor's kid is a big fan of Dongs After Dark? Matt Taylor's kid is the biggest Dongs After Dark fan for an abbreviated session. I mean... When you're that young, you got to keep the dongs after dark short, basically. Matt, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So Renato Nunez gets 
My dongs after dark tip the cap this week for two home runs leading the Baltimore Orioles this week. <laughs> it's so, it's so sad. So disappointing. All right, let's go to the bad, Scotty. Um, for my bad, this, no, you know what? I, Scotty, let's go to the wheel. Come on, Sean Gilmartin. Come on, Sean Gilmartin. Gilmartin? Gilmartin? Nope, not going to be Gilmartin. Ooh. All right, the wheel. The wheel says it's Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini in 25 plate appearances this week, over six games. Uh, whew, not a good look. Seven weighted runs created plus. Remember, weighted runs created plus, 100 is, is league average. And Trey Mancini... He's at, at seven, an average of 167, an OBP of 200, a, a strikeout percentage of 24%. These are Chris Davisian numbers. Maybe maybe he shouldn't be touching first base. Maybe it, it's rubbing off on him. Whatever it was, Trey Mancini this week, bad. Uh, my bad's going to go to Tim Beckham, who posted an eight way runs created plus, so just slightly better than Well, Trey he was Mancini. a first overall draft pick at one point. Right. Uh, no walks this week, uh, 31.6% K rate, uh, 211 average. Um, but Tim Beckham is slowly starting to basically say, hey, guys, it was nice knowing you. I'm going to go ahead and get cut off the 40-man <laughs> roster and uh, enjoy your Bravik Valera for next year. Excuse me, who? Bravik Valera? Mm, not, not, not following who? Oh, it's Bravik the Valera. Thank you. Yeah. Is it Bravik the Destroyer? I think was what we went with. Yes, but. Bravik the Destroyer. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to go into my ugly. My ugly goes to Josh Rogers. I'm Oof. sorry, Beans. My beans. my my ugly goes to Beans. Josh, it's not even that he only faced, four, you know, only recorded four outs in his start against the Rays. He looked awful in doing so. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted out at some point while watching the game that. I don't think he hit a single spot that Caleb Joseph put down. Even when he was getting away with it, his location was awful. And I get the fact that he's a rookie. I Look, I get all that. But he's here now. It's not his first game. And at some point, you have to be able to hit the glove. You have to. At least more to be uh, able to see more than four outs. I don't think that Josh Rogers is the answer. I don't think that Josh Rogers is going to make the team next year. But when you bring guys up to get a look at them, they have to be better than this. He was ugly. Completely agree with you. Um, not a good sign from from Josh Rogers whatsoever. I mean, he had an encouraging first game, and then he came out and absolutely had had no control over it. So yeah, that's going to be it. Um, my ugly, and I hate to take it from you, Jake, um, but the wheel spoke. Trey Mancini has to be the ugly. And I'm going to have to come back to the tweet that we talked about earlier about the oysters and Trey Mancini. And Trey Mancini indicates in this video that he's not a seafood fan. How the heck is Trey Mancini on the Baltimore Orioles and not a seafood fan? All right. So I've thought about this. No, there is no good answer here. Go ahead. You're right. There's no good answer. Yeah. Trey Mancini, you need to grab some oysters. You need to slurp them and burp them. And uh, you just need to enjoy the uh, the crustacean life. What has Orioles baseball and bird's eye view become slurping and burping in 2018 slurping and burping yep yeah Trey Mancini, you're on notice 
Best part of that was when he turned away from the camera. I would have died if he had vomited on camera. Yes. Well, he pretty much vomited at the plate this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so very little good, a whole lot of bad, and an incredible amount of ugly. This is Birdland. Yep. Why don't we go ahead and blow some saves? Jake, I'm going to stray a little bit. but uh, You? Never. Imagine that. We talked about disappointment, and uh, I think that's definitely been a precluding aspect of the entire Berlin season. But another word strikes me, um, and I think the word that strikes me that really remedies for me for the 2018 season is apathy. Mm-hmm. And uh, just really not even caring, specifically moving on, and just not even recognizing that there's a team here. And I think apathy is, you know, a word that we kind of don't like to admit because it's tough for us to admit that we just don't care about something. And, uh, you know, I, I was watching a video this weekend, um, and it was with former President Barack Obama mentioning about the apathy. Um, and, you know, I think that's just something that we as a country, um, you know, need to think about and we as Berlin citizens need to think about in terms of this apathetic notion. So please Think about what you love, truly embrace it, and do something about it. That is all I am asking. Don't turn your back on the stuff that you love and do something to make a change, whether it be within Birdland and or the community in general. And that's my blowing the safe. That was as clean as that gets. Scott Magnus, you get a gold star. Not only because I agree with you, yes, but also because I won't get hate mail about it. Right. And that... That is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. God save them. <laughs> Come get social with us, and not just on Untapped. You can email us at contact at Also, Jake or Scott at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Scotty. New Paul McCartney album, yeah. Egypt Station. Yeah. Not terrible. Okay, that's good to hear. I'm a biased person. Really? I was ready for terrible. You are an Orioles fan, so you should be used to terrible. No, I'm used to disappointments. It did not disappoint. Gotcha. So I should go and download it? That's how this works? Stream it. It's free. Stream it. It's free. Okay. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.